live from tape, pre-recorded at our studios in Austin, Texas and Portland, Oregon. It's syndicated with Leslie and Ben. I'm the Ben of that. And I'm the Leslie. This is a twice monthly podcast about television, genre, and storytelling in which we watch an episode of a show and explore the history of television one episode at a time. We are joined by a uh, phenomenal guest, a repeat guest, uh, which is uh, something we're, we're, we're want to do is we found some incredible people on this show and we, we like having them back to talk more about television. These, these very passionate people. Uh, we're joined once again by Rachel Collins. Rachel, hello. Hi, how are y'all? I'm I'm doing quite well. I uh, I watched maybe the oldest thing I've watched in a long while uh, <laughs> just now. I'm, I'm really excited. I got to go into my go onto YouTube and type in D I C K space uh, and uh, watch the Dick Van Dyke show. I'm very excited. Oh, nice. And hopefully that doesn't mess up my YouTube algorithm that much. Yeah, no, it's 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 pretty wholesome, honestly. Like it's not gonna it's not gonna get you a bunch of like weird ads for like shakes that make your balls bigger um or the jaws are size thing or well then what was the point yeah, dog, yeah well i, I mean i don't think i'm gonna get those from this i i get those because it's <laughs> in my uh, order history oh okay i get them because i i refuse to turn on ad preferences uh so then i can complain <laughs> about all of the prager you shit that i get ah uh, uh, of course of course uh, if you're just now tuning in, as I just mentioned, we're talking about the Dick Van Dyke show starring <laughs> Dick Van Dyke, whose name I'm going to get tired of saying at some point. <laughs> the Dick Van Dyke show lasted five seasons back in the day on CBS from 1961 to 1966, right in the last wave of shows that were airing exclusively in black and white. So much so that one of my my favorite uh, shows from around that uh, that time period, Get Smart, had a black and white pilot and a color main series. Um, that I think literally 66 was the last, literally like the cutoff point where it was like TV's in color now. Sorry. Yeah. We have, we have moved on. Um, and obviously that would, you know, give us stuff like Star Trek from there on. The entire show was shot in black and white and features Dick Van Dyke as Rob Petrie, a television comedy writer for the fictional Alan Brady show, which makes this the fourth show we've covered this season about the making of entertainment next to the Larry Sanders show, uh, Slings and Arrows and... 30 Rock. Duh. There we go. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, also, I guess News Radio would also be counted in that, possibly. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. right. Uh, yeah, yeah, News Radio. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what? I think when I was writing the script, I was thinking about, like, broadcasting. Ah. Uh, uh, and added slings and arrows mentally just now. Ah. So. Okay. Fourth about broadcast entertainment, fifth about making entertainment, period. How about that? All right. Yeah, the uh, the show balances his work life with his co-workers, uh, played by Richard Deacon, Rosemarie, and Maury Amsterdam, as well as his home life with Laura Petrie, who is frequently referred to as Lori, only because that's what Dick Van Dyke ended up calling her on set. Laura Petrie is, of course, played by the incredibly talented Mary Tyler Moore, who would have her own show, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, in the 70s. There's a, there's a winning combo there in having a, in having a host with three names. <laughs> Um, and just letting them do wacky shit on camera. Dick Van Dyke, you may actually best know from his role as Bert in the classic Disney live-action musical Mary Poppins, uh, which he filmed halfway through the production uh, years of this show. And uh, I was a little shocked to know that because, uh, honestly, I saw Black and White. I thought this show was from the 50s, and Mary Poppins must have been 10 years later. No. Mm. Those, these were concurrent. Same time. How about that? Yeah, I had no clue. I thought it was like... Um, I thought it was like Disney getting uh, Robin Williams for Aladdin like 10 years after he did his sitcom or something. Oh. <laughs> uh, but no, no, it was it was it was at the exact same time. Uh, also, uh, that is so firmly what I know Dick Van Dyke from that I forgot he's American. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like famously very American if famously bad at British accent. Yeah, his accent was very bad. Look, look, I watched it's it not good. You know, late late this afternoon. And I had just like a brief flash of a moment where I was like, what's he doing this weird, like, Northeast accent? Oh, because he's, he, no, I'm sorry. He's not British. 
Like, for some reason, I just thought that horrible Cockney accent from Mary Poppins was real for a moment. I'm tired. I mean, you know, Goodness if you watched gracious. it as a, as a child, you know, that's probably, like, were you first impressed upon, like, a British accent existing. Yeah, uh, this is yeah. what England people sound like. Yeah, this is what <laughs> Chim Chimney is. And there's also, like, penguins and stuff in the sidewalks in England. It's also sunny a lot, apparently. Is that is that... In the Mary Poppins movie, you put in that. Uh, yeah, the the whole animated sequence when they. Uh... I've never seen it. Oh, it's a charmer. Yeah, it's very it. cute. I've never seen it. Somehow, I've also seen a lot of, uh, children's theater productions of Mary Poppins, and it's still cute. It's a charmer. It's it's master of physical comedy Dick Van Dyke and the uh, sweetheart and star of the musical stage Julie Andrews. Yeah, it's fun. It's you know it's a it's it's very sixties. It's very song and dance. It's but it's a fun time. Well, I'll check it out. The, that hot new movie Mary Poppins. <laughs> well, they did make that sequel a while back, in which Dick Van Dyke was still in. Oh, because he's um, still alive. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, that they did yeah, a sequel yeah, he, to that. He's still alive. They did um, Mary Poppins Returns with, uh, what's her name? Emily Blunt. And, and yeah. Manuel Miranda. And Manuel Miranda. Man- yep, yep. Um, yep. In which Dick Van Dyke shows up at the end as, uh, Leslie, this will mean nothing to you as you have not seen the movie, but he shows up at the end as the new chair of the bank that the dad works for. Um, implied, I guess, maybe to be the son of the original or whatever. I don't know. Um, okay. But, you know, he's an impossibly old man because Dick Van Dyke is like 90. He's 95, um, actually. 95? Good lord. Yeah, he's, he's 95. Like, he was born in, like, 20-something. Like, yeah. I guess it would have had to have been, like, 26. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, shows up as an impossibly old man with his weird, like, lanky arms and everything and does a full-blown song and dance number as Dick Van Dyke. Well, okay, then. And, uh, well, or, excuse right. me, <laughs> as a banker, rather, not as, as Dick banker. Van Dyke himself. Although every character he's playing is Dick Van Dyke, really. Fair. Fair. All right. Um, also, uh, the show was shot on uh, at Desilu Studios, which is definitely not the last time that we'll be hearing from that company because that is Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball's production company, um, most famously, obviously, from I Love Lucy. Yeah, so so much so that I, um, well, I guess maybe we'll get into that later when we kind of talk about the legacy of this show. Uh, but I thought the, I thought the set from the first episode of WandaVision was the I Love Lucy apartment. Uh-huh. Uh, and no, it's the Dick Van Dyke apartment. It is. It is. Um, and I didn't realize that because there's like, I think on I Love Lucy, there's like maybe three different locations that are like the main set over the course of the years of that show, which obviously lasted for a long time. Yeah, there's the there's the main apartment. There's the club that Ricky works at. Uh, sometimes there's Ethel's apartment. And other times there's like outside shots. Oh, I just meant because um, in later seasons they moved to uh, a house in like Connecticut. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When they when they go to the suburbs, when when little Ricky gets bigger or something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because it's like a full blown toddler that plays the role at that point. Yeah, there's whole seasons of that show that just don't take place in New York anymore. Yeah. The show is created by Carl Reiner, who we tragically lost only last year. Carl Reiner was a mastermind of uh, popular television in the 60s and 70s and had a career behind the scenes and in front of the camera that lasted decades. Uh, Carl Reiner would appear as Alan Brady, originally a non-appearing character in later seasons of this very show. Uh, That career really is phenomenal, starting with like, you know, variety shows in the 50s leading all the way up to, I mean, he was still working as of like five years before his death. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's phenomenal how much stuff Carl Reiner was in. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, a writer on this show as well, Gary Marshall, who would uh, go on to produce a lot of the 70s sitcoms, including uh, Happy Days and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a lot of heavy hitters that started out right here shortly before. We, we talk on this show like a lot about like, you know, how one thing will lead into another, how there's like threads of, of I don't know, th- th- this feels like the start of two extremely major threads, which is... All of Carl Reiner's career, all of Gary Marshall's career. I mean, hell, all of Mary Tyler Moore's career as well. Mm-hmm. Mm, um, yeah. I know, it's just cool to see see that in motion like that. Yeah, it is really cool. I agree with you. Last but not least, the episode that we watched today was To Tell or Not to Tell. Years after giving it up to start a family, Lori gets a chance to dance while hosting Rob's co-workers over for a talent show. When a dancer at the Alan Brady Show, the variety program uh, Rob works for, is temporarily unable to perform, Rob's boss and producer Mel 
offers Lori the chance to perform professionally again. This, despite Buddy Sorrell's warnings that Lori working again will lead to the collapse of the two's marriage. Which leads to the critical question, should women have jobs? <laughs> Definitely something are, I was questioning while watching this episode. Are they allowed? Um, it's, I mean, look, part, part of it's a little regressive, obviously, but like the regressiveness isn't like the writing of the whole show. It's the regressiveness of one character's shitty opinions. Yeah. And like, I, I feel, you know, over the course of the show, the way they handle it isn't like, ladies should stay at home and raise the kids. It's, you know, like Laura on her own is like very excited to do the thing. And then it's like, I actually don't want to do this all the time. It kind of sucks having to commute and go to work and do all this other stuff where I can like do my house stuff because, you know, yeah. Of course. To which I can only say, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it sucks. I don't like commuting. <laughs> yeah. I don't like answering emails every day. I got to answer emails. I mean, honestly, uh, uh, Robin Moore, never had to answer an email. That is true. Off for it. <laughs> Not once. Not once. Uh, which leads to this uh, second actual critical question that we usually ask at this point in the show, which is Rachel, why the Dick Van Dyke show? Um, you know, I was trying to, the, the theme for this season is uh, what, workplace comedies? Workplace and, comedies. Uh, and yeah, I was trying to think of like, what would be, to me, one of the like, er workplace comedies and I was really thinking for a long time, um, other than MASH is kind of like a variation on the on the theme of workplace, uh, of the Mary Tyler Moore show, um, which is phenomenal and funny and great and holds up brilliantly. But then I was like, well, if I want to do the Mary Tyler Moore show, let's just go back to the Dick Van Dyke show. Um, just as oh. kind of like the the start for, you know, that kind of like journey uh, along. And, you know, it was like I I had probably late last year, uh, you know, revisited Dick Van Dyke just, you know, on a whim because it was on Hulu. And I was like, yeah, let me just fuck around and watch some Dick Van Dyke and like genuinely laughed at some of the jokes. And like, you know, the the bit where, you know, like every every few episodes will be a different like, oh, you know, the opening where Rob will trip over the ottoman uh or the or you know he'll avoid tripping over it like those those kind of little nuggets is like you know dick van dyke is like like an immensely charming uh person to watch like his physicality is charming and his face is charming and like even when you know buddy says like some weird asshole thing to him a dick is not an asshole he's just kind of gullible like easily swayed and I was like no I do kind of want to like get into this because it's it's not quite father knows best but it's also not quite like dad's a dumb dumb uh it's kind of like dad is a person who has a job his co-workers are also a type of family that he has uh that aren't quite his children but also kind of his children um right, right. and just you know kind of like bridging that kind of gap and not showing necessarily like home is one separate sphere and work is one separate sphere. Um, just kind of showing how like they bleed into each other. Yeah. That was in my notes is that like the, the two spheres of his world are not entirely separate. Yeah. Um, that like this starts at like a house party, uh, a, a talent show. And like kind of for a moment, I was like, Oh, do I have to write one or whatever? Cause it wasn't particularly office for the first like five or so minutes. Um, and until it, uh, you know, it switches over there eventually. And they are quite literally having like a water cooler conversation at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was just interesting. Maybe that's a little antiquated. I don't know. Has anyone had their boss over for dinner in the last 20 years? Any of anyone here? <laughs> no. Um, although that was also a you know, plot point on WandaVision, which is quite in the, in the first episode. Right, that's quite nice. My mom has, um, but also like, her and her boss, you know, have been like, you know, friends off and on for a long time. And I've been over to my boss's house or for dinner for, you know, at previous jobs uh, before, but I don't think I've had bosses that would like deign to come to my home. Right. Right. 
Yeah, if any if any higher up at, at my company was like, hey, you know, Ben, I, I think you should host this time, I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, I've actually just quit. <laughs> That's too much pressure, and I shan't be doing it. Yeah. This was fun, but I'm out. Damn, good thing I haven't cashed in that PTO yet. Uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, it's just it's it's interesting that you know this uh, this character has a, he has a home life that involves his coworkers and he has his those same coworkers like in the office environment. Yeah, um, maybe the, that fluidity is maybe not uh, universal, nor and it also feels a little bit antiquated. I don't know. I've got a couple work friends that I hang out with, but you know, I've never had like a, I've certainly never invited a supervisor to my house. Sure, that's just weird. Yeah, exactly. That's just weird. Yeah, no, I mean, I wasn't kidding earlier when I said that he is a master of physical comedy. Oh, uh, yeah. Boy, how did that come through, especially since we get to watch an entire sequence of him pantomiming for like a solid minute or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just he, he's just really brilliant to look at. Like, I don't know. He's he's just such a... Like, you know, looking at pictures of, of Dick Van Dyke is like, he's just kind of a weird plain horse face looking man but then he like <laughs> moves his eyes or mouth any degree and it is as though it is like 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 the sculptor's clay just morphing into something <laughs> completely different like he has such a weird expressive face yeah he's so good it's like he's got extra muscles or something in there like to to make all these like like micro expressions that are also like huge and conveyable even on like you know shitty black and white grainy like film extra muscles that we lay people don't have yeah right like dick or like uh freddie mercury has extra teeth which helped his vocal range right so does dick van dyke's weird facial muscles uh make him one of the funniest looking dudes uh yeah. in television history it just like he's just a normal enough looking dude with some biggish teeth but like, yeah, he can he can do like a like a like a little bit of a smile. It's like, oh, oh, he's smiling Britishly. I don't I don't know what that means. <laughs> you know when you see it. You yeah. know when you see it. Uh, it really does go to show like why he had such like a like a popular like family movie career. Yeah. So because there there was like a clownishness to him that like children obviously respond to, or else he would not have been in things from like you know Mary Poppins and Night at the Museum and all that kind of stuff. Um, he is, I look, look, <laughs> this is an insult that has kind of been readopted, uh, for, for the internet age. And I don't mean it as an insult. It's truly a compliment. He's a real clown. He really, he's a real, like he's a real clown man. Well, and like, and well, I mean that as nicely as possible and as complimentary about his professional skills as I mean it. Well, I mean like that's, that's also the thing. Like clowning is a very particular set of skills. Um, and like being able to do clowning uh and you know just kind of like it doesn't look as though he you know went to like actual clown school or or really you know studied studied theater um he's just naturally good at it and like really a a, a great dancer as well absolutely undoubtedly uh leslie what do, what do you think about this show definitely a product of its time I do think uh, there were a couple of uh, things in particular that stuck out to me. Um, I do kind of think um, that uh, Laura's decision to not take the job and to stay at home because doing housework is easier, um, I think probably was a writer's room invention to discourage women at the time from wanting to totally. do things because it's so tiring to do things. Don't you just want to stay at home and do the housework? And, uh, you know, it, it was an interesting glimpse into the way that society viewed marriage and gender roles and that sort of thing back in that day and what was found to be acceptable uh, back in that day. Another thing that really struck me was uh, the scene where uh, Laura comes in and she comes into uh, the office and she's uh, wearing the, the leotard and uh, the, yeah. the, the deli salesman guy man is like talking about her appearance. And so, you know, Rob is like, no, she's she's a married woman. The guy's like, well, not today. Today she's a girl girl. And I was like, Ugh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that that didn't feel very good. Uh, it's so interesting to see 
how do I put this? It's so interesting to see something so groundbreaking through a regression, a, a regressive lens of what has changed since then. It yeah. was just such an interesting juxtaposition of seeing like this physical comedy, these, you know, breakthrough jokes, all of that kind of stuff uh, coming from a source that is in other ways quite questionable in its values, uh, but was acceptable back then. So it really is a lesson in kind of taking the good with the bad when it comes to watching legacy television and when it comes to watching uh, programs that will are just an indelible part of this medium that we love called television. Totally. I mean, that, that's the thing is when you try for like a more progressive stance, you kind of also at the same moment, like, sorry, let me, let me start that uh, thought over because I think there's a critical caveat here in narrative media. Uh, when you are trying to showcase a progressive stance in this case, like, Oh, it should be her right to choose, you know, that kind of, it was half a Dick Van Dyke impression and it wasn't good. Um, <laughs> you know, it should be her right to choose and all that. Uh, whether or not she wants to pursue a job or, or be in the or, or just stay at home or whatnot, you know, it has to be contrasted against another character that thinks the opposite of that, right? Um, so that you can have the tension in the episode. I wanted to specify I meant in narrative media because I don't believe that about the news. Yeah, <laughs> you are correct. The, la the last twenty years, I've been hearing from a lot of climate change deniers, and I'm tired of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I meant in narrative media, you have to create that contrast. In the news, you should sure. report the facts. Correct. Anyway, there are plenty of setups, but Leslie Nope and Ron Swanson, you know, like that kind of stuff of like, you know, a, a character has to, a character has to play that kind of role. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, through, throughout the series, you kind of see like that kind of play out. There's a, there's a later episode called, I want to say Sally is a girl, uh, where mm -hmm. Sally, the, the gal writer on the show, uh, uh, like Laura notices that she's a, a little down in the dumps and maybe she needs a boyfriend. Uh, mm. And so, you know, the, the, the charge that Laura makes is for, you know, the guys to treat uh, Sally like she's one of the girls. Uh, and then it's, it just kind of like fucks up their whole dynamic and she's deeply uncomfortable with it when she notices it. Um, and so, you know, the, the moral of that story is, you know, treat people as as they wish to be treated but also in a weird roundabout way we got to the right ends i don't know about these weird means that got in the way yeah, right? yeah. and I think, <laughs> yeah. I think that's you know like that's really kind of the thing with a lot of this you know 60 almost 70 year old uh, uh media that i i keep draw, finding myself drawn to is like yes let me watch the very old television let me see how this <laughs> hand, uh you know pans out it's it's yeah it's like you know if it's if it's good and it holds up and it's not just like like you're you're gritting your teeth to get through it there's going to be those like dip moments like the like the coffee cart guy commenting on her body um, yeah yeah or yeah it, you know that that kind of shit um but yeah it's like it's it's also you'll still see shit like that in, you know, shows from the 90s or the early 2000s. It was like, oh, yeah. We were oh, just yeah. shooting in the streets for a long time, huh? Just like, yeah. real, real not, not thinking about it. Yeah, that's like uh, thinking about, thinking back on uh, Ugly Betty, for example. It's another workplace comedy, actually. Um, thinking back on Ugly Betty, for example, they had, you know, a trans woman character uh, and... Uh, that was complicated uh, because it wasn't handled well about 90% of the time, yeah. but they handled it with a level of respect and awareness that also was not seen on TV yet at that point. So it's kind of like, it's, it's, I guess, I guess you just gotta, you know, crawl before you could walk in some cases. Yeah. And you know, like it's, it's one of those things that it did make sense for, Laura to not want to work on the show full time because also who wants to work with their husband? <laughs> yeah. And you know, but also the 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 older I get and the more I I like work and can't make time for chores and feeding myself and stuff, I'm like, 
no, actually, it makes a lot of sense for one person to to do chores because if you if you can afford to have you know somebody somebody do chores, that is that is a forty hour week there. Which also goes back to why we shouldn't be working 40-hour work weeks right now anyway, because we're all doing it on our own. Whereas back yeah. when 40-hour work weeks were invented, we there there were these roles involved yeah. where the person who was doing the breadwinning didn't also have to do his own laundry or cook his meals or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I want to say it was a Tumblr post or something that someone pointed out. Like, yeah, how am I meant to do all of the, you know, how am I meant to keep everything clean, you know, home cook every night, yada, yada, yada you know, while I'm also working and like literally the next comment was like, you're not. Yeah. You're literally <laughs> not. Because the only way that this 40 hour week society worked is under the presumption that only half of any given household needed to work. Um, yeah. Because salaries, y'all remember salaries? Some of us have I, salaries. I have a salary. Okay. I'm a wage worker. Anyway. I'm also uh, a wage worker. <laughs> cheers. Yeah. Um, you're still valid, Leslie. You're not going to die in the revolution. Don't worry. Okay. okay. Don't worry. They probably pay you salary so that they don't have to pay you hourly. That's, I mean, that's probably true. But yeah, you know, they're arguing like, yeah, this operated under the presumption that like you had someone at home that was taking care of this for you. Mm -hmm. um, and also that your uh, single salary uh, was enough to support a spouse and three kids and um, a suburban home and all that. And yada, yada, mm, yada. Yeah, sure. Um, and multiple, many of those factors have changed. And yet the wage hasn't gone up. Crazy Weird. how that works. Yeah. yeah. So wild. So really Dick Van Dyke is a workplace show about entertainment industry that's about communism. Mm. Mm. I would argue many workplace comedies. <laughs> sure. There are definitely some undertones oh, yeah. in, in a workplace comedy. I mean, I, I think a lot of like, I mean, we, we still have, you know, a, a handful of episodes to go in this season, but I think like by and large, like there, there are the shows that like glamorize the job. Um, and I think uh, Slings and Arrows and 30 Rock uh, certainly do that. But sure. I, I mean, there are also a lot of jobs that like, or excuse me, there are a lot of workplace comedies that are like, God, doesn't this suck? Yeah. Isn't this kind of the worst? Oh, you know what we started, my roommates and I started watching literally last night. Huh. Is uh, Miracle Workers? Uh, oh which is yeah, Shemmy, Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, that's mm -hmm. the one about like God, right? Uh -huh. yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like, um, and it kind of takes the um, uh, look. It's a premise that's uh, uh, in a handful of things, uh, including uh, our friend Jeff Martin's webcomic Hell Inc., uh, but also like in the Good Place and whatnot, which is what mm -hmm. if the afterlife were a bureaucracy? And you know, if the Good Place is like you know, like look at all the, you know, I don't know, look at how sweet humanity is or, or whatever. In some cases, that's not the entire message of the good place. You know what I mean? Miracle workers is like, God, jobs suck, huh? Yeah. 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 Jobs suck and humans suck. Fuck this. That's um, awesome. Yeah, no, it's, it's really fun. Also, Steve Buscemi is a delight. I don't know if anyone's told you this. Steve Buscemi's really funny. Yeah, he, he is. really He's is. very funny. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think there are, there are plenty of workplace comedies that are like, boy, I sure wish this were different. Either by making, like, you know, the boss character an asshole or, you know, making it so work clearly cuts into, like, the the, pers the hero's personal life or, you know, any number of things. We, we laugh at it because it's terrible. Yeah, and this show, like, like the job itself, because I think, you know, because I, I, I think part of it is is that, you know, this is the, the post-war era you know, really, uh, there's other episodes talking about when, uh, uh, you know, when, when Rob and Laura met uh, was during World War II at a USO show. Um, and so, you know, like that kind of post-war kind of mentality comes, comes into play with like, uh, you know, Rob's uh, boundaries uh, with his coworkers and, you know, the, the appreciation that this kind of work is, is is good and and easy and maybe the boss isn't but you know overall it's like it's a pretty good ride for him well i think anyone's job looks good after war yeah yeah like, i think i think after, okay you know. that's fair <laughs> yeah yeah uh now granted i mean this is 61 but even so that's less than 15 years that's yeah you know, um yeah if he fought during the war he's what 40 now on the dot 
Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that's wrong. He's 45, probably. Okay. Maybe. Or maybe okay. it was the Korean War. I don't remember. Oh, shit. I guess it could be, couldn't it? Yeah, because that would have been the 50s. Yeah. So that would have been yeah. like 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Korean War is 51 through 53, I believe. Yeah. Um, you're right. You're right. So, yeah, he could be he could be pretty much like 30. Yeah. Who? Which, you know, as, as a, uh, a 37-year-old, I was like, wow, you sure did do a lot. Okay, well, actual, actual Dick Van Dyke served in uh, World War II. Um, yeah, I think that's where I'm, I'm messing up, because he's clearly older. Yeah. Because he's, you know, 40 or so. Yeah. 95. Just kidding, I got jokes. <laughs> well, it's so weird, because every once in a while, and, and uh, Rachel, you and I have discussed this on the Infinity Break Discord from time to time, which is every once in a while it'll come up that, like, the cast of Seinfeld is all meant to be 28. Yeah. Or, like, everyone in Cheers was in their early 30s, late 20s. I'm like, I'm, I feel like an ancient crone. I just in my don't know about age that. Years, and you guys, woof, woof. Yeah, it'll be like, oh, yeah, John Ratzenberg is, is playing 31 uh, at the start of Cheers. So I'm like, huh, okay, sure. And then the follow-up uh, fact is because he was 31. And I'm like, no, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. It just looked like that back then, man. I yeah, don't know I what it was, but they just... And everyone smoked indoors. Yeah, and so you just looked like that. Plus, they all had to wear like those weird sweater vests or whatever like that totally. always ages people. So it's just how they looked back then, dude. Yeah. Um, the, the funniest follow-up I've ever seen to that is, I have bad news for you about what your boyfriends look, without, look like without beards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that too. Uh, and I recently act- accidentally shaved my beard off, looked at myself in the mirror. I'm like, all right, I belong on Cheers, I guess. <laughs> wow. <laughs> when did Vietnam start? 58, I want to say? Yeah, something like that. Like, so well, Vietnam was concurrent with, with, yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, this is all the post-war period. And, you know, there was a draft sure. all the way up until our current wars, our current mm. forever wars. The internet um, says it started in 55. 55. Good Lord. Mm. All right, earlier than I thought. Yeah. It's 20 years long. Wow. 55 what? to 75. How about that? 20 year long war. Couldn't imagine that. Yeah. Can't yeah. Don't, that don't know what that's like at yeah. all. Yeah. We'll never forget. Um, like. Folks, date of recording is September 12th, 2021. <laughs> Gracious. Gracious. I'm, I'm probably already on several lists somewhere. I'm, I'm... I like, uh, but this is still like the post-war period. Uh, and obviously, you know, there's like two concurrent wars that kind of like just happened in this time period. And yeah, I mean, that's that's in the DNA of like a lot of this kind of material. I mean, it, obviously, it's in the DNA of MASH, the other show that you've uh, come on here to talk about. But it's definitely you know, here as well. If Oh, I mean, Leslie and I were just talking about this in a, in a Patreon thing that we recorded, uh, which is that I was watching Better Call Saul. And at no point do they bring up, which, you know, takes place in 2004 and was released in like, 2016 or so and at no point does like the does the war on iraq or the war on afghanistan or the war on terror or 9-11 or george bush or the patriot act or any kind of that sort of 2000 early 2000 stuff come up yeah i i remarked in that that little piece of bonus content that that would be like if they released television that came out in 1960 or whatever and no one was a veteran yeah you know yeah yeah it would just be a historical because like one in every four guys was in the war. Yeah. Or whatever. Jeez, yeah. Any hoozle, not to talk about that old chestnut. <laughs> no, the different old chestnut, World War II and or the Korean War. There we go. There we go. Everything everything old is new again. It's just so interesting how like cemented in that time period it is. Obviously, like it's it's unavoidable to to yeah. you can't not talk about it in nineteen sixty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when the show comes out, and obviously, yeah, it's it's in the their their meet cute is during a war, because she was a USO dancer. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I do think it's super fat. I do think it's really, really fascinating to look at shows like this, and particularly one that has has continued to be touted as one of the greatest comedies of all time. And I see why, and it makes sense why, and I you know, and I agree with it. Uh, and to also be like, but the jokes jokes are really sexist at times and there yeah. was the, jo- the jokes had some 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 stuff that just didn't hold up very well but you know that was 60 years ago so what are you what are you gonna do remember how we talked about news radio and how we talked about how it was kind of theatrical 
Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know had like a bit of a theater element. There's like a lot of vaudeville in this. Yeah. Yeah. The, and the and like we mentioned before, the physical comedy was just top notch. Um, I completely agree with you. The first five minutes are a vaudeville routine. Like, <laughs> yeah. not just a. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, between uh, uh, Buddy and Sally doing literally a like Laurel and Hardy ass mm-hmm. like, you know, two flies are in the desert. Two, or, excuse me, two camels in the desert. Okay, two camels are in the desert. Yes, uh, you know, um, <laughs> whack a mole routine or whatever. Great rule of threes there, where uh, he he's continually the one who gets hit, even though he thinks he has the upper hand. Some that's some good Looney Tunes ass nonsense. Yeah, oh definitely. You know, I, th- that's obviously very vaudevillian. Uh, you know, then it switches over to Dick Van Dyke doing his elaborate pantomime routine. Then it switches over to Mary Tyler Moore doing her, doing her dance routine. And it's funny that like, this is a show, I presume about, I mean, it's a variety show, right? It's like a weekly variety show is how it sounds. Yeah, it's like a, like a comedy talk show variety show thing. So if the Ed Sullivan show was like weekly. Yeah. Instead of nightly. What? Was it weekly? The Ed Sullivan show? Uh, yeah. No. Let's I have no clue. Up. I, I realize I'm I'm so accustomed to all of our late night hosts being uh, nightly programs yeah. that it just occurred to me I have no clue whether or not the Ed Sullivan show was a nightly or weekly program. Uh, it was. I don't I don't know because uh, yeah I I don't know because it says on Wikipedia that uh we had 24 seasons and 1,068 episodes. I my brain is not ready for that math. Me either. My my brain is also not ready for that math. So oh, okay. it, it well, does look like it was weekly, based on okay. uh, questions other people ask on. Uh, <laughs> on <laughs> okay, was Ed Sullivan on Sunday nights? What night of the week yeah. was the Ed Sullivan show on? Why was Ed Sullivan canceled? Wow. All right. Because he did it for twenty four years. It was how much more do you want? That is, it's so funny when people, yeah, when people phrase it like that, like, it wasn't canceled. He he didn't want to do it anymore. Like, I mean. Um, Like, yeah, it's canceled if it stops before it's time. After 25 years, you're allowed to do something else. (laughs) That's very, very true. It was canceled due to its uh, appealing predominantly to older audiences and senior citizens. Yeah, Um, because 24 years ago when it started, those people were you know, in their thirties or whatever. Yeah. Right. God, there's so many early Spider-Man comics where like Aunt May mentions like, Oh, you know, you be safe, Peter. I'm going to go watch the Sullivan show. Jeez. Uh, Cause that's the topical reference of the era. Um, sure. Yeah. Wow. Right around then in the seventies, obviously is when Johnny Carson takes over. Yep. Um, yep. Anyway. So I, I guess essentially they are just doing the Ed Sullivan show. Yeah. Yeah. I um, guess so. All of that it, to say. <laughs> all of yes. that to say. Anyway, it's so fascinating that yeah, like they're doing a a, a weekly variety comedy show, i.e., like that, uh, mm. in the form of the Alan Brady show. And the first yep. five minutes of this are essentially an extended vaudeville routine. Mm. Uh, to to the point where I was confused about the tone of this episode because they hadn't left the home set yet. <laughs> I texted sure. Leslie to double check. I'm like, this one starts with a dance number, right? Yes, yes, it does. Yes, yeah. yes, it does. Even in the scenes that aren't that, there's still like a pretty intense vaudeville energy. Yeah. Um, you know, the same that's that's in news radio uh, a little bit of like, you know, uh, close-ups are a little rarer. Mm. You know, er- things are, are pretty much shot in the wide or, or shot in two shots. And it's just like a lot of kind of like back and forth, you know, joke, joke, weird reaction face. Yeah. And I feel like um, that, yeah. is, that is part of like just how early television was shot. Um mm-hmm. Just because you know, trying to figure out how to how to do television, I was like, "Well, it's like a play, right? It's just like like a a play you watch in your house, right? It's not because it's not like a movie. We know what movie is, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. This was just a more convenient way for people to watch plays. Like that's kind of how how sitcoms and and shows of this ilk started. Really, yeah. was. Mm-hmm was being able to, I mean, think about it, you know, it's sort of the same as thinking about uh, like radio plays and stuff like that. Like, and honestly it would be a waste of Dick Van Dyke's like, like putty face to like have him uh, do yeah. radio. Yeah. It, but it's always been kind of a, a way to figure out how to get this, this tried and true play sort of format to the masses and in, 
whatever technological way is, is booming these days. And that was television at the time. So, yeah, that that's why that's in the, the DNA of TV and, and is to this day with like even even tonight shows rather sorry, late night shows, including yeah. the tonight show can draw their their legacy all the way back to kind of like vaudeville, vaudeville routines with like a band off to the side um you know and all that all that kind of stuff is because like when they were creating television they were like yeah the television studio lights are extremely hot there are a lot of rapid fast minute changes we need people who are adaptable mm-hmm. uh who can vamp who can hit their marks with very little notice yeah who, do we know who can do that oh traveling vaudevillians yeah that's very who, true who is not afraid to be a weird sweaty clown and can dance and take cue and and follow yeah. Carney law uh which means <laughs> they they won't get too mad when we cannot pay them yeah exactly and then they they hired those guys into tv yeah and then you know then then eventually there was a crop of people who were training specifically for tv but like that if we're talking about DNA, <laughs> that DNA never left television. Yeah, yeah no, television is, is just always been car- like all of entertainment is is carnies all the way down. Let's, let's <laughs> be honest about it's it. It's just carnies all the way down. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's just weird fake handshakey rules, and maybe they don't kill you technically. But you know, you just go on to the next town and 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 hope somebody's impressed there. That's amazing. Right, totally. I love the next it. Network in this yeah. case. Uh, man, we settled for syndicated when we could have done Carnies all the way down with Leslie and Ben. Honestly, we gotta. We could. We could always rename. We can always rebrand Ben. You'll get royalties, Rachel. I promise. Carnies all the way down. <laughs> just you know, have a have a show with me on it, explaining how as something is actually Carnies. Carnies. Oh, this is actually Carney Law. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, it, it has that comedic pattern. That's all I was getting at. Um, it's just it's just funny to see how that's like evolved over time. And obviously, there there are different ways to shoot comedy these days, especially television comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I just watched like the Righteous Gemstones, which you know, oh, that's it's, so good. Uh, I've not it's seen just, it. I really need to. It's definitely on the list. It is on. It is on the list. I had to God, I think we can talk about it for the show on a technicality. <laughs> Fair or, or enough. Like for this season, I mean. On, on sure, sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, no, anyway. Um, yeah, but it, it, that's, that's certainly the root of comedy. The root of like, you know, um, comedy is like a, a codified process and not just comedy as like jokes around the caveman uh, campfire. Right. Um, yeah, it's just it's just cool to see how it evolves. Yeah. Cool, cool to... Like, like I said about like the, the lines of people's careers uh, and whatnot. It's just, it's cool to see where this all came from and it's cool to see where it's all going. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Do we have any favorite jokes? Favorite joke? Well, there, I mean, I guess that my, it's hard for me to call it a favorite joke, I guess, um, mm-hmm. because so many of the jokes that were not, a product of their time were obviously the physical jokes. Those were, were, were going to have to be my favorite just, just based on that. But if I were to choose one, um, when, uh, when Rob was making dinner, uh, and obviously was unable to do so. Um, and he ended up having to give his child a banana that, that felt pretty great. Um, <laughs> it felt it, it felt great for them to acknowledge that while, you know, a lot of it is, you know, when a woman's place is in the home or whatever, it felt good for them to acknowledge at least that they believe that the reason for that is that men are absolute pants at it. So I, th- I think that that, you know, it, it showing us a shortcoming was was definitely a great thing. And I, I was a huge fan of that scene in yeah. particular, like the like the frozen meatball, like being plonked on the table. Um and then, then finding increasingly less enticing solutions until finally they had bananas. And then, of course, later, you know, when Laura asks what, what's for dinner, he's like, bananas. I, I don't know. thought it was great. That, that does actually leave me with a uh, – sorry, we, maybe we can get back to favorite jokes in a moment. But that does leave me with a thought of, like, like, incredibly charismatic actors like Dick Van Dyke have to play roles that require them to be incredibly charismatic. Okay. And that, like – sitcom dads can't like 
be accountants. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or if they are pencil pushers, then they have to be extraordinary in other ways. Exactly. Um, because otherwise, because, okay, I'll be honest, when we started the show, uh, or rather when I started the episode, um, I couldn't remember what his job was supposed to be. Um, so when he started doing like all this elaborate pantomime, I'm like, I, I forgot he worked in entertainment. And I was just like, what the hell does this, you know, what are the, if he's not like the star of the show, like what, what does he do? You know what I mean? You know, uh, uh, I'll spit after I say his name, but like, you know, the same reason like Tim Allen plays like, you know, uh, uh, <sighs> that he's playing like a public <laughs> television host or whatever right, right, right. in Home Improvement. And if you put a charismatic actor in a non-charismatic role in a sitcom, something's not working. <laughs> Yeah, is that yeah. is that why they made Kevin James a uh, UPS driver in King of Queens? Yes, it is. I think it is. I think so. Are you arguing he's not as charismatic? Then, Ben. Yeah, sorry. I should say something, <laughs> not just like non shadily. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's yes. That is exactly what Rachel is implying. You are correct. <laughs> You picked up what she put down, and that's whereas, what's important. Whereas Raymond and Everybody Loves Raymond was a sportscaster. Right, right. So, yeah, they, they have to play charismatic people because that's how you, like, lean into the comedy. <laughs> we had a real good, the bad, and the ugly standoff there where none of us wanted to admit Kevin James was unfunny right away. Right, which is very weird because we will be very blasé about many, many people on here. And, like, and but suddenly we're like, Kevin James is, is off limits to talk shit about for some reason. What was What was that about? That was yeah, that was I weird. Know. I was trying to think of like who else was on that show, and and like so it's Kevin James and Leah Remini, and like Patton Oswalt was on it, and like Patton right. Oswalt is like, I don't, he's very funny, but I don't know if I would call him charismatic. If that makes sense, Patton Oswalt is funny, but he he leans on his awkwardness to be funny, and he plays yeah. a lot of characters that are awkward in some way yeah. um and i think that that is so kind of the opposite of charismatic i guess but yeah well it's a yeah it's a slightly different type of charismatic but even like you know we covered scrubs as one of our oh no our, our first episode uh but even like jd is the funny doctor that's true you know he's not or or you know gary shandling plays like he's a grump he he doesn't like you know he doesn't actually like doing his job that much he's always thinking about quitting you know yeah. it's, it's that kind of stuff you got to like lean into the charismaticness of it or else it's like just not funny yeah if if some of the roles that these people played were played like you know the people actually are you know if they were to play him as the boring office drone like what's the point right yeah um anyway just made me think about that of just like because if he wasn't a television writer like what the hell would someone like dick van dyke do in that world that's true. That's I feel a fair like point. He could, he could be like an accountant, but he's also like insufferable. Like you would not want <laughs> him to be your accountant. He would just always be trying to do a bit, and that's that's where the the workplace would come into. It's like, well, can you just tell me if I have money or not? And you do like some you know handsy facey close up magic carny shit. Like, sure. See, it all comes back to yeah. it's full circle. It's a full carny circle. Close-up magic accountant is a little too close to what Leslie actually does. My favorite joke was just, um, Buddy says something to the effect of, like, now don't be rash about this. And it was just like, but it's his rash to deal with. Short, sweet, funny as hell. Good. But good, that goes good. back to the, like, the breakthrough, you know, jokes that I was talking about earlier. That's a great example, Ben. So, yeah. good, good, good on you for having good taste. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's just a, it's a solid one-two punch. Sure is. Rachel, how about you? Um, honestly, like, I, I can't think of any specific, like, joke that got me for it. Like, like, talking about this episode, I just keep remembering, like, 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 physical vignettes. Uh, like, I really, like, it started extremely strong with the fucking, uh, 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 vaudeville shit at the beginning. The first five and, minutes, really. Yeah, and I think that's, I think that's what I'm gonna stick with. I think that's what my answer is gonna be. Is the like like the Laurel and Hardy bit that they did? I love that answer so much. I love that because I not only do I absolutely agree, and I mentioned earlier that the physical comedy was just such a great thing, but each of us found one different type of defining joke that the Dick Van Dyke show did very well to choose as our favorite one, which I think is beautiful. 
Totally. I think that's about all we have to say about things, though. Yep. Uh, yeah. Folks, my name is Ben Hamlin. You can find me online at Ben C. Hamlin. It is B-E-N-C-H-A-M-L-I-N. Over on Twitter.com, you can check out my other podcast, Parascience. That's a paranormal tabletop show right here on InfinityBreak.net. You can check out all of our work at InfinityBreak.net, where we're telling stories our own way. Leslie, where can people find you? People can find me uh, on Twitter at Vanetti. Uh, I will be back probably pretty soon because I'm getting very bored. So uh, you can definitely find me on Twitter, uh, taking a small hiatus, but we'll be back at some point in the very near future. I talk about all sorts of stuff, and all of it is interesting and cool and fun. And Rachel, thank you so much for joining us again. It's a blast to talk about television. Yeah, always with you. a pleasure. If you if you're looking for me, I don't make it hard to find me. Uh, I'm you know my my the handle for everything is Rachel V T H E C, uh, and just you know throw that wherever. I think I have like a like a peach account uh, uh, still sitting around or or Niwi or any of these other like. Check me out on Friendster. You know, I never come on Friendster, but I think I'm Rachel to see on MySpace. Uh, I do nice, not know how nice. to log into my MySpace. Uh, if you hack into it, let me know on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I would, I would that was like a good the, one. The, the photographs of me in my 20s. Uh, I would if, like to if, change if my nomination for my that. favorite joke. <laughs> that, was, that was a good one. <laughs> um, anyway, absolute, uh, absolute pleasure talking to you. Always, always such a blast. I'm sure we'll have you back for next season when we talk about uh, adult animation. Yeah, I think that covers everything for now, folks. This is Syndicated with Leslie and Ben. You can find us online at infinitybreak.net. We have a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash infinitybreak. In the last last little bit, Leslie and I have released two almost hour-long bonus contents of just us talking about television. Yeah, uh, Specifically talking time. about the Disney Marvel shows and talking about um, uh, crime shows. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we'll do a, a full crime season in the future, um, especially because everyone's talking about The Wire these days, with the uh, tragic passing of Michael K. Williams. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but we talked about Breaking Bad, The Sopranos, and uh, Better Call Saul in there. So, you know. You should. It was a good time. You should listen. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash infinity break. Uh, yeah, that's about everything. We only have one or two uh, episodes left here in our uh, season about workplace comedies, and we're hopping into adult animation. Uh, sounds like uh, we have a. Sounds like we're finishing the season strong, though. I'll. I'll uh, I'll make sure those plans are locked in before I announce them. But anyway, you're in for a treat. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next Monday. See ya. Bye-bye.